This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And it's an early edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we lead you in to Penn State football on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our special show, J-Doc, that we get the opportunity to do once a month our president's report with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, who is with us for uh, the full hour. I got to commend you on our show last week, J-Doc, where we got a look and took a look inside the Iron Workers local. Uh, you really did a great job Thank producing you. some fun radio. I didn't know you were such a comedian. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, but well done. Great well, those job. guys, those guys have a little, you know, background on me. We have a we have a history together, and now we have a lot of good stuff. And it was a proud, as you know, a proud. Uh, it's my my uh, my local, and um, certainly a proud night. It was great. All right, good stuff uh, uh, again last week. And one programming reminder as we begin our president's hour here on Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT. We're back at the Senesta for our Labor Leader Roundtable. More details. Uh, coming up on that. But Pat, I want to get right to you. I want to welcome you in and I want to thank you for uh, giving us some time. I know October and where we are in the calendar year uh, represents an incredibly busy time uh, for you in the position uh, that you're in. So thanks for being here, sir. Well, it, it is a little bit crazy times. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've lost a couple of key staff folks here and uh, we're, we're going to muddle through. But, uh, you know, my partner, Dan Bowder, has gone on to a bigger and better things in his world and uh, proudly that uh, I was able to be part of his uh, business world and his his personal world before he moved on. He did a great job here. Uh, We miss him and and I can tell you more ways than one because uh, you don't realize uh, how important somebody is until all of a sudden you got to fill those blanks, you know, and uh, uh, Nicole Fuller who left us and went with Paznap, again, I mean, she was uh, such a big part of what we do here. Uh, fortunately, both of them are still in the area, and I do expect to, uh, especially poor Nicole, I'll be leaning on her <laughs> uh, probably more more so than Danny because Danny's got a, a chance to uh, run a media office here in Philadelphia from the group that handle our presidential forum, by the way. Uh, 617 Media, is, uh, they're out of New England, they're out of Boston. Um, great, great organization that does some fantastic work, both internally in, in organizations and the unions. Uh, they do a lot of work for DC 21 and, and their, uh, whatever they do for them as far as their membership and, and their media stuff. But, uh, hundred percent union shop. Uh, they have an office obviously in Boston. They have one in New York and, and one in Washington. And then now Dan Bowder will have one here in Philadelphia. And it's a great opportunity to, uh, to not only have a good group, but but uh, you know to have folks that we know that uh, come from organized labor and they'll have a good message with us. So yeah, I know we joke so, a lot in the past. Uh, uh, you know some. Um 
sometimes just softly joking with the amount of hours that Dan Bowder would put in during the election cycles, oh, yeah. uh, where he was up uh, way before the sun came up in the morning and still on the street way neighbor. after, yeah. way after. So uh, some big shoes to fill for you there. I'm sure you'll get somebody in, but uh, it's it's more it's never more important than right now. I would imagine. Well, we have a young man that uh, came on board when when Dan was still here. In fact, I had hoped that he would have an opportunity to shadow Dan for a while. Uh, Michael Cadbill is here, and he's a great young young fellow who, uh, bright, uh, smart, polite, uh, caring, and uh, uh, we have all kinds of high hopes for him. In fact, uh, I think the last show I, I, we were on, I think that uh, he might have been introduced. He was that our, might have been yeah, around time. special yeah. guest that week. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, so we're muddling through, and uh, Leslie Elder, who has worked with us, uh, for I guess for over eight years, maybe ten years, maybe longer. Geez, you, you know, time goes by on almost all of our campaigns, and uh, she mostly worked in South Philly, but uh, uh, she also worked with our group Work in America, which is a satellite of the AFL-CIO. So she's come on board with us for uh, for this time period to uh, to move our election because the election is now. You know, uh, uh, we we did a great event with the uh, the pres- presidential forum as you, as you know, and I know that there's was a lot of media about that and uh, a lot of controversy about myself and Vice President Biden. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the day of the seventeenth, uh, uh, we hugged it out and uh, great, you know, great, uh, everything great. was great. So you know, sometimes what happens is stories get bigger than the people, and uh, you know, statements I had made back in May about uh, you know. Uh, candidates just don't seem to pay attention to working people and uh, have gone on to worry more about the corporate world than us. And I just felt that uh, they should come and talk to us. And so just to talk about that a little bit, I mean, that that, that day turned out to be a fantastic day. We had over 2,000 workers, not leaders, workers in the audience because we had 2,000 seats set up at the convention center, standing room only. And we had six candidates, and I have to tell you, every one of them was was great. Was great with our people, um, answered questions. It was a, it was a it was a fantastic day. Uh, we scheduled two days in case you know could, all the whole twenty could come, but they didn't. And uh, you know, Vice President Biden the weekend before was able to move his schedule around, and and he was on. And uh, uh, we thought we had uh, Harris here, but. Uh, Right up to the last minute, scheduling wouldn't let it happen. And also the same thing with Warren. She evidently had something exactly the same time. We scheduled ours to start around 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock because the, the, the workers were coming in at 3. We did move it forward ahead. We were going to move it forward ahead for Harris and, and for Biden. We did the best we could because an audience without the workers, were, you know, that's what we wanted and that's what we had. So <clears throat> it, it turned out to be a fantastic day, and I, that's, that's not coming from me. That's coming from the uh, folks I've talked to. So, uh, Pat, let me just ask you real quick. I know you have a full uh, slate of stuff you want to get into. The narrative is still out there. As early as yesterday, I heard conversation on the street that the candidates don't care about the working people. And I know you referenced that in uh, uh, in, in, in your in the statement you just made. Is it still true? Because it seems to me that people still believe it. Well, I, I think it's hard to turn something overnight that took a while to get there, Joe. I mean, you know, we were, I, I think, wrongly tied in with the Democratic Party for many, many years. And, uh, you know, around here, especially in Philadelphia, 
uh, we firmly believe that we're not a party. We represent workers. And, uh, you know, the truth is that, you know, John Taylor was one of our, our, our friends for many, many years. I, and I have to tell you, people can say what they want about Prezel. Prezel did a lot of stuff for working people in Philadelphia. So, you know, we're not tied to a party. We're tied to people who care. And uh, we start to slip this away. And I, as you, you guys know, I was a delegate for, for Clinton the first time she ran. I was elected delegate. Clinton would come here. We'd had her in rec centers. We had her in schools. We, the, the, the last time she ran, we never saw her. I mean, she would come and fly by with fundraisers and, and you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, but not the closeness that, that we had. And so we really felt we lost that. And, and how we got off top with Joe Biden was when, when he first came into town, you know, we consider him a, a, a neighbor here. And, and, you know, first right off the bat, he, he went to, uh, he went to the, the David L. Cohen's house. Uh, fine, that's great, that's where the money is. They invited the uh, ex-mayor, who quite honestly wasn't real friendly with working people here in Philadelphia, and didn't invite our mayor, and we didn't even get a whisper. So uh, it wasn't me so much, it, uh, and it doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be me. I don't care. I just, uh, you know, I've been around long enough now that I don't get insulted, my skin's not that thin anymore. But when I look at the overall, I say, well, where is this going? I mean, here's our guy. And already he, you know, he went right past us and we're the neighbor. So I brought that to attention to a bunch of people at a breakfast, about 50. And every one of them was excited about doing something. And, of course, we didn't know what the something would be. Uh, We followed that up with a regular board meeting that was announced what we were going to talk about, unanimous support to do something, and we we did it. And and, uh, it turned out to be a fantastic day. But And I have to tell you, every candidate there – including Steyer, took, took uh, 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 questions from, you know, the, uh, auto, the audience without them knowing the questions. And to a point, uh, even the ones who were a little fragile with it, uh, most of them talked about how important unions are for working people and the middle class. So that's the cause of the audience. I understand that. And I hope as they go away, as you said, Joe, don't fall back into that. Uh, I did have the opportunity to, you know, the mayor of Philadelphia, uh, excuse me, New York, came in last minute, talked all kinds of good stuff. And as it turned out, he stepped down the next day, I think the day after he was here. But they all talked about But some of them stayed by. He stayed by. Steyer stayed by. Kovacher stayed by. And talking to them one-on-one, you could see where you were getting to them a little bit. Now, how that changes and, you know, money dictates so much in these elections anymore, unfortunately. Uh, I understand that they have to go get money and, you know, they're not going to get a whole lot of money from Pat Eiding and his crew here. But what we offered a day of election and before that, we offered feed on the street. And, you know, quite honestly, uh, Clinton lost Pennsylvania. She didn't lose our area. We had, you know, I think gross wise, we have between us and, and the five in the five county areas, we had somewhere around 600,000 votes for her. And if, if she had a message to workers in the other part of the state better, we would have had this state. But we have workers out there are scared to death. They don't know where things are going to go. I mean, this guy's got us in such a turmoil. We don't know what to think is coming next. I mean, people are looking to move out of New Jersey because of the tax break he gave is killing them. They can't afford to live there. You know, these are things that are happening now. And But still, I talk to some people, some business people say, but Pat, you know, we still hear uh, they this and that. And I said, well, because they're still not touching the hearts of the working people, the people who are scared to death. I said, look, you know what we did for the for the automobile industry a few years back. We kept them in business here, and now we had to go. We're out on strike for how for over a month to get back some of that that we gave. 
And they're still shipping all their cars to Mexico to be made. So, you know, that's why somebody like Trump can, whether he's lying or not, he's hitting people where it hurts the most, the working people who don't know, even the ones that have a job, they're not sure they're going to have a job tomorrow. So, no, they're not. They're not. And, and I think if they don't wise up, I mean, you're going to see in Philadelphia, the two-party system's starting to slip away here in Philadelphia. And, and, and I think the results of these elections may prove that out. I'm not talking about who wins or loses. I think how close some of these elections are going to be. So people have to understand that working people, no matter what their philosophy is, uh, would love to have somebody represent them. There's more people now that we're talking about possibly about being in a union because they have no other protection. There's nothing else for them out there. So, yeah, I think the politicians better wake up. And not just, you know, not just because we have a workers' forum talk about how important the unions are. Make sure what their program is is going to be about working people. It's the President's Hour with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eining, joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Ironworkers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll veto it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, this is the President's Hour with the President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eining. Pat? So, Joe, and I, I don't want to belabor it, even though I think it was such a great event to put on by labor and by working people. And, you know, many people came Please right Please belabor it, Pat. It's uh, not, not more important. But, uh, you know, the impact of it was, uh, first of all, central labor councils like us, nobody's ever done that before. They're, they've included some things like this at state, uh, state feder- uh, federations where they have a convention during that time of uh, politics and they, they tie it in. But for a central labor council... It was not done before. So uh, follow through the next. And, and I have to tell you, I, you know, the kids, we had a, a group of kids here were, were law students from Temple were dying to get a picture with Sanders. The kids love Sanders. I mean, you can we can debate all we want, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the people. And uh, he, he, as I asked him to do, when he got done speaking, he walked off the stage, went right by the media, went right over to those kids, had a picture taken with them. They were as happy as could be. And then fast forward uh, the next day, without any contact after the event, I get a phone call from, well, I take a call from the senator and, and Sanders. And, and I was in my car. I took the call. And basically, he, what he, he was emphasizing how great he thought what we did here in Philadelphia. He said to me, we, and I, I, I tend to lean towards his way of talking with that separation, but he said, you know, I get a lot of calls, come to this event, thousands of people, he said, almost never a thousand people. He said, what you folks did here in Philadelphia, you should, labor should do this all over the country. You did a fantastic job. You had the people there. And he just went on and on. Of course, then I backed off and said, listen, I appreciate you being here, Senator. I wish you all the luck in the world. And, and by the way, I thank you for taking the time with those kids from Temple. They love, they love what you did. So, it did resonate. You know, I had contact with Coverage's folks afterwards, you know, because she was the last one. And unfortunately, you know, the, some of the folks had been in the hospitality area. Some people left. They had been there a long day. And she couldn't get here till later because she had a vote. Uh, I thought she was great. She was great with the people. I spoke to her afterwards. She had an interview here the next day. And uh, 
And in fact, it was the end of the night. We were waiting to walk her out. And she, she, I said, where are you going tomorrow? And she said, well, I'm here because I have another interview. And I said, you want to go get a drink? And she said, another time, but it's good, awful early tomorrow. So they're real people when you finally get it. And we, we as working people, you know, maybe I'm not considered working people because I have a suit and a tie on. But you don't get to see those folks sometimes in that way. And, and every one of them, Chang, all of them, I had a conversation with. And it's hard to it's hard to separate real people talking to them from their political thing. What's interesting, Pat, you said so much. We could literally do five shows just on what, uh, you, you know, you mentioned several area, uh, working people. Um, and we, uh, listen, I support social issues. I support them. Um, and it's a big, big part of, of, of uh, you know, people's rights. However, I think often, and I think this is, uh, especially in this election, this is how important it is, people get concerned, working people, that that they're not part of the narrative. That's why I think it was so important for us to have this uh, big event and the, and the success of it, uh, that the candidates understand that we're not, you know, we're not, it doesn't seem like we're part of the dialogue. Last time we had so many people vote against their own interests and literally... Not long after Trump gets in there, the Supreme Court choices. You're voting, people, you're voting for your the Supreme Court when you're voting for the President of the United States. And if you like right to work, which if you're a labor union member, you absolutely uh, don't like it, whether you know it or not. Uh, it's one of the it's 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 one of the most damaging um, areas that that affects workers. You got to look at the big picture. People want to hear this. Well, you know, and and that's what's interesting about this and. I, I guess I will go on a little bit because the workers who asked the questions, we got the questions from the workers. Now, we tried to organize it a little bit so we could move program. You know, obviously, you can't just let it go to be a rally. But there were questions straight up from the floor. And uh, the, the, the head of uh, Boilermakers Local 13, John Bland, who's going to lose a lot of jobs uh, because of the refinery closing and before, because of the powerhouses closing, uh, he got up. And Steyer, as people know, his his billions of dollars is about making the world green. Well, there's not a person that I know of that I work with side by side, either in the field or here, who doesn't want to clean build a country for their for their their grandkids and their kids. But there also has to be a place for people to go to work. There has to be a balance. And so when John got up and asked the question about what are you going to do about you know doing away with fossil fuel, doing this. I won't try to, to do his, 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 his question verbatim because it's been a while. But it was all about those jobs that are being lost with nothing to replace them. And, you know, we could see that right here in Philadelphia. We may talk about that for a minute. But, you know, uh, folks down there who have lived there for all their lives, down by those refineries, and some folks, by the, by the way, now who bought homes while they were the refineries there all of a sudden want to close it down and put all those jobs out uh, well you know you got a piece of property that's a really big piece of philadelphia there's nothing you can do with that folks don't understand that before they built tanks above ground the oil was stored below ground so that oil is you know probably 90 feet below ground 75 feet below ground so so that's another story so but the point was that that the, the question came out from john he did a great job very respectful uh, Steyer answered it, and the next day he called me, Steyer did, and said to me that, you know, your member there who brought that question to me, he went on about how much it rang home with him. Now, I don't know if it'll change his philosophy, but, you know, there was a case, as you pointed out, Joe, a worker, a worker talking to one of the candidates uh, and, and c- complete opposite of what that candidate is putting out there. 
You know, you can't turn, you can't make the world green overnight. We want to do it that way. And, you know, I often jo- joke about the fact with my little miniature schnauzer that I got a, a, a little well in the, in the backyard for, for his due, you know. And, and we, I don't go shopping without bags that I can carry with me and to put in the trunk. I don't, you know, so I, we're all about that. But you have to have jobs. And, and, you know, with me, you know, my philosophy is if somebody's losing a job, that's who I'm worried about right away. So, so I, I would think it was great. I think in that, for that moment in time, we had the candidates talking to the workers and vice versa. So that was really good. So I don't want to go on and on about it. We could do a whole show if you want with it. But there's a lot of things happening now. You know, we, we have some good things happening. We have, uh, you know, the SEIU and the people take care of all the building maintenance in the city. They were fortunate enough the other night to get a last-minute collective bargaining agreement. Uh, the nurses and the technicians at, at Temple have been able to get a, a collective bargaining agreement. I haven't been able to sit down with the uh, Ma- Maureen uh, May yet to see the president to see just what the outcome was, but evidently it's favorable. Uh, we hear in reports that the UAW has an agreement. I, I know it's a little bit awkward, but but their negotiations, because of the size and breadth of them, is always a little bit different. Uh, we do have the teachers at Temple uh, who have passed their contract date and are still negotiating in good faith. Hopefully they can uh, come up with an agreement. Uh, when I talk to both sides, they, they think that there's some hope that they'll get an agreement without the, having to have some demonstrations. But unfortunately, again, it was a situation when people fight for their for themselves. So uh, uh, I, I know we've got a commercial coming up in a minute, but uh, uh, I just wanted to bring, you know, the other side of it. We have elections going on here in Philadelphia, so we have to put the presidential thing aside here in Philadelphia because this is where we work and this is where we eat and this is where we sleep. So these are, these elections are very important, and it's very important we get people out to vote. You know, we get one hour a week on this big, powerful radio station called Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, and we always try and use this hour to provide logical context of what it means uh, to be a union member, to be the president president of the AFL-CIO, to be a worker from the refinery who is now out of work. And I often hope when we leave J-Doc, when we leave the studio, I often hope that the message, that the program uh, was educational to those listening on the radio station, and there are a lot of them who are non-union. So as we continue uh, to push that uh, narrative, um, we push it uh, with the um, fuel uh, or the words from Pat Eiding that it's about working people and you have to go to work. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are brought to you by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here with J-Doc, M. Joe Krause on a Saturday night. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. It's the President's Hour with the President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding. J-Doc, we do have coming up our Labor Leader Roundtable uh, at the Senesta. That's coming up uh, in a week, one week from tonight. We'll be live uh, following Penn State football next Saturday, but we will be live at the Senesta. Yeah, we have the American Federation of Government Employees, uh, one of their national vice presidents at a District 3, uh, Phil Glover, who's no stranger to 
to the program, and we look forward to having it at Sinesta. They do a great job, and uh, this is going to be a great show. All right, good stuff. So that's one week from tonight. Pat, back to you, man. I want to give you as much time as I can. I only get you once a month, sir. I, I, I just don't want to say something. I feel like a listener because that's I, all I'm doing. I'm this is back. unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, when you don't spend a, uh, when you get the chance to spend one month, one day a month with Pat. On 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 his show, let me tell you something. I'm just want to. I'm sitting back and being educated right now, and I'm yeah. You are it. you are very quiet, Jay. Duck, I kind of have to tell I'm you. Guide, man. Let me be candid and honest. I kind of like that. You do do you do like it, Joe? <laughs> You've been begging for it for a long time. Listen, <laughs> let's do the show every week, and you won't hear a peep out of me. So, well, listen. Uh, you know, I I want to. I I think I need to stay on the the refineries a little bit. You know, we. Uh, we had that great event. It's it's passed. We have an election coming up here. We'll talk about it a little bit, but just a little bit about the refineries because I, I understand the passion with people. And when I did a hearing down at the down at the neighborhood uh, a few weeks ago, I was one of the speakers, and and I, and I could speak a little bit from experience because my first job in the construction industry was at a place called the Atlantic Refinery, and I was so new and green at 18 years old, I didn't know how to get in the place. But, you know, I recall folks who worked there lived there. In fact, I remember a fellow by the name of Heaney, who was an, was an insulator, uh, who's long gone, but must have lived very close because he, and, you know, things were a little bit looser then. We didn't have the, uh, the terrible things happening in the world. Uh, but he found a hole in the fence that was right near his way of going home. <laughs> so when everybody was sitting around having a bag lunch, uh, he, Joe was, he was running across the street through the hole and getting to lunch and coming back. I mean, cause that was their neighborhood. That's where people lived. And, you know, and I, and I, and when we talk about different things and how bad things are, I do understand it. I mean, we have more safety rules and more safety stuff in, in those refineries. Now, when I first started, we didn't even know what we were working around. We had no idea. We saw stuff to wash your eyes out. Didn't know why. I mean, so, so we've come a long way, and that's the way industry has to be. You know, that's why we have OSHA and we have PASNAP and folks trying to take care of wor- working people, and w- we even have shows about that. But, but in this situation, you're talking about thousands of jobs, and you can, you can pry it down any way you want. There's no place for those folks to go to work, nor is there anything that can go in that footprint. You know, if you talk about it monetarily, the tax money and the money and the, what, what the city loses there is astronomical. At the it's refinery. Really, it, at the refinery it, itself. It closes down. It does nothing. It's a piece of property. You, you couldn't even make, you couldn't even make a park out of it probably before you'd clean it up. And who's going to pay billions of dollars to clean it up? And I want to tell you, these folks who are stealing the money, mm-hmm. who are taking the money, taking these bonuses, and then trying to sneak another bonus in while our people are being laid off with really nothing – didn't, not, no substance or no severance to speak of, uh, and no place to go. And, and people are not realizing, these, fee- these people come in and manage this place about two years ago. They came in here with the intent of closing the refinery. Our friends at Philadelphia Energy Solutions. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, it's, it's the managing group. It's not Energy Solutions per se, because the folks before had a real plan for the, for the refinery to change it gradually into better, uh, better uh, 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 energy systems. There was an energy coalition I was part of to change that in a better manner. When the new people come in to manage it, they come in hell-bent to close the place up. And all they did with that fire, unfortunately, it was an unfortunate fire, uh, that they used that for a reason to do it sooner than later. But they were going to close this thing one way or the other. So 
didn't care about the workers, didn't care about what they were doing and, and how well they were producing. And by the way, this refinery was in a money-making mode for a long, long time under the last people that managed it. So let's get that off the table right away. To the folks who live around there, some folks, I would say, who just moved there, you had to know the refinery was there to move there. So, you know, that's not fair for them to beat the drum so much if they just moved there. Folks who lived there their whole life, who, who some of them maybe put up with it, other people made a living out of it, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's that's what industry was in this world at one time. I mean, you know, the city of Philadelphia had smoke coming out of every uh, smokestack, and we had millions of jobs. You could walk down the street and get a job. You walk across the street and somebody's get a job. You don't have that anymore. So we need the jobs. If we can gradually go, and I'm, I'm on a couple energy things. I'm on the mayor's clean air program. So I can talk about both sides of my face because I believe we have to change things. But we have to do it in a way that we don't put people out of work. And we don't take away their pensions, don't take away their health care and those things. And, and, you know, similar to this, we have the Hanneman Hospital. Those oh. people who took over that hospital, they had the same thing. They came in to, to put it out of business so they could get another No transitions. Deal it. No. it was, you know, literally, we, we, we had Ryan O'Callaghan and Mike Giacondo on the program from St- uh, United Steelworkers Local 10-1 uh, uh, about the refinery. One of the things that was unbelievable to me at the time, and we talked about it earlier, Pat, is and, and Joe, you were right there, just staggering the fact that after the fire, 32 out of the 33 units were still running. Only one wasn't. And if you read the uh, the inquiry the other day, they're taking bonuses, uh, you know, the, the bankruptcy, the bonuses, uh, the ins- uh, you know, filing for the insurance claim and all those things, and then laying people off, working people, no transitioning, no plan, like you said, Pat. Yeah. And the same thing with, the, like you said, the Hanneman Hospital situation. By the way, both of these... Indivi- both of these situations have staggering impacts on the, on the, a community, not just the workers there. We took Joe. You remember the amount of, of 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 dollars that come out of the community, like millions and millions and millions. Uh, if if that refinery goes down, now we're depending on o- overseas uh, oil. I'm asking the same question right now, Pat, as I asked that night, J Doc, when we did the show. Why? I don't understand. Oh, it's a money grab to me, man. Well, uh, the fire was unfortunate. Nobody planned the fire. I mean, make that clear. I mean, no, the workers certainly there who 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 were schooled enough and, and knew enough how to handle that fire kept it from being worse than what it was. It could have been a lot worse. The places you'll see other areas where there's refinery fires, they did get worse. And so the workers, let's make that clear. The workers contained this, kept it to what it was. Incredible job. But, but – but the the idea and the intent of closing was always in this man, these this people who are managing this refinery. All what the fire did is moved it ahead, because as you said, Joe, the rest of it was all operable. There wasn't a, there wasn't once they contained where the fire was, closed that area down. The rest of it could have been. Productive. They were working while we were doing the show. Like in other words, everybody was back to work. Yeah. Were, yeah, thirty-two out of the thirty-three units were working while we were on. There was absolutely no reason to do this. So uh, at least there's some, in my mind, there's some hope that somebody with with the mindset to do what was was talked about for a long time in the Energy Coalition, buy the refinery, get some new ideas with it. While you're making the oil and the fuel fuel oil we need now, 
do some other things with it. Be a little bit more proactive in your thinking. I think that can happen if the right people get it. And I know there's people in the background trying to make that happen. Uh, I know myself, I try to get involved a little bit with folks with the Hanneman Hospital. Uh, don't know where that's going, but, you know, that piece of property there is much more valuable to people who own it than having a hospital. But as you said, Joe, the community is going to suffer. Oh, my we, God, the busiest you know, emergency room in the city of Philadelphia. And where do people go? They're going to go to Temple and Einstein. And a backlog. And, and can and you exactly, imagine that? And, and that, that's going to put now those, those folks, because I get a little involved with them, too, on that end, those folks are doing what they can do to make that. You know, there's some good people put together to keep St. Chris, which, you know, in my mind, there's no way you could have let that close. I mean, how could – look where St. Christopher is. Right. Not taking anything away from CHOP, but look where St. Christopher is. It's the people's hospital for their kids. And, you know, not – and listen, I, I, I say this very carefully. CHOP does a great job. People from all over the world come to CHOP. But this is the people's kid, children's it's hospital, in the neighborhood. St. Christopher. Look where it is. We had to keep it there. I, I just was working with behind the scenes to see if I could be of any help to keep something at the Hanneman site, just if it was just a medical center, but something for that community. So – you're absolutely right. The community suffers. And, you know, in all due respect to the folks down, down in South Philadelphia, Southwest Philadelphia, wherever you want to call that refinery, uh, there's, there's people there are glad that they're not seeing smoke come out of refinery. But keep in mind, there's thousands of people who lost their jobs. And they're not just the people who worked inside. There's people who supply stuff, little machine shops that, that cut the, the valves and the, and the flanges and things like that for the refinery. Those little shops that go out of business, similar to what happened when the Navy Yard closed. There were many, many businesses that went out of business because they were suppliers to the Navy Yard. It could be just as simple as, as who supplies the uniforms that they wear, uh, you know, the, the, the dungarees and the shirts that they wear, that kind of stuff. It's really got a bigger impact than just the refinery. So... Uh, the, similar to that, Hanneman is a bigger. Uh, it's not. It's no disrespect to the workers because they are all losing their jobs. Some of them have an opportunity <clears throat> because of the need and 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 the importance of their jobs to get jobs locally, but many won't. And with the refineries, you don't have another place to put those people that are trained in that work. You know. And 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 to me, it 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 uh, uh, it, it goes back to the the ownership. In other words. The, these people, obviously, like you said, Pat, what the, came in with the refinery and the new people who, who bought uh, Hanneman Hospital uh, a, a while back, those recent owners came in with a transitional period. You, you know, you should not be able to come in and take a hospital and make it condominiums. I mean, and, and leave the public safety uh, at risk like they're doing. They're, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, uh, buying and selling and, and, and all those things, you know, you're going with the highest bidder, blah, blah, blah. But the point of the matter is there, there has to be a guarantee that, that they're not, that they can't bankrupt that hospital and then go sell it for condominium, condominiums because of the location. It's ridiculous. Well, just a little sad, a little sidebar that, that probably might people think, what's he talking about? But uh, if, if it doesn't, Nothing opens there for you know medical center, community center. The fight that's going to happen over that real estate there is you're going to see the big monies fight all over the place because the properties are owned by different people. The way they're tied together, uh, where it is, it's going to you know it's just that kind of a fight. The people with money can have that fight. Unfortunately, by the time they're fighting that fight, our workers who are out of work and the community is going to lose their medical center, their chance of uh, of, of uh, uh, a place to go. Uh, is not going to happen. So, uh, 
they'll be talking about that ground, that footprint for a long time in one way or another. I just hope the dialogue about possibly keeping something open there continues, you know, to see where we can go. But, uh, you know, these are these are things that happen right here and politics plays. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, along with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding. We'll take our final commercial break. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by IOTSE Local 8, District 1199C, and the Newspaper Guild. The right-wing conservatives don't have to drive themselves crazy. They can walk there. (laughs) God bless you. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we lead you into Penn State football on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Coming out of Penn State football tonight, Jay Doc, right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, a special rebroadcast of the refinery show that we did uh, here. So we're going to talk about it on the way into Penn State football. We're going to play that show uh, as a special rebroadcast coming out of Penn State football right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. PhD, Pat? Well, listen, uh, I ended that conversation with politics, it's politics, and I, and I will say that, uh, you know, all politics should start locally. I think that's where we are now. We have elections coming up, and I, I say to our members at our meetings, listen, this is where we sleep, eat, and, and work every day. And so, you know, although we have to keep in mind there's an election coming next year, right now, uh, we have to get our mayor reelected because, uh, quite honestly, he's... Uh, He's done more for workers and the community and uh, caring about people and caring about the folks who are the most of need uh, and mainly about the schools. Uh, we got to make sure we get Mayor Kennedy in there. And uh, we've done our endorsed candidates, which that means, Joe and Joe, that we're ready to start walking the streets and knocking on doors. Uh, our program will be labor to labor. We'll be knocking on all union doors uh, to to just talk, have a dialogue about the issues, the very issues we're talking about, jobs, 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 and uh, good jobs with benefits and, and those kinds of things. So uh, we'll, we'll kick that off. I know that the uh, couple areas are starting small this Saturday, but come next week, there'll be full force in South Philadelphia, Northeast Philadelphia, and other areas. Aside from the walks that we'll do, and we'll have uh, hundreds of people out there knocking on doors, uh, hopefully they're received if the football games are on or something that's happening. But uh, this is an important time. And, and, you know, what happens with refineries and hospitals, the city council jobs are very important. The governance of Philadelphia is the way it is. We can argue about the way the governance, governance operates, but the point is we know how it operates, so it's important who we elect. And I have to tell you, these elections are, are – uh, uh, going to be a little bit different. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, we have the so-called two-party systems here, and without, uh, you know, pushing my my uh, comments in, in any direction whatsoever, I think people have to wake up that uh, just as we talked about earlier in the show, the working people and and the people who live in the city are starting to pay attention. They're starting to pay attention to what's going on, and and uh, they care about what folks who who get elected are doing for them for the time the time that they're elected, and and. So uh, we have an endorsed group. Uh, I, I have to mention for a minute because we we do have some prime elections in the state level, which is for Superior Court. And uh, just seeing what's happening with the Supreme Court and what's happening with jurisdictions and those, those kinds of things, uh, we have to remember the courts are very important. So we've, we've supported Dan McCaffrey, Amanda Green-Hawkins for Superior Court, and hope folks pay attention to that. 
Uh, I won't go into the whole list today of our endorsed candidates. We'll possibly have another time before election day to do that. But we'll be working up to election, and we'll be uh, we'll be doing that. And and keeping in mind, the people we're trying to elect are are, are folks who care about the schools and care about the uh, the jobs that we're losing, and uh, and also the community. So. Uh, be aware that uh, if, if you are a union member, probably you're knocking on your door in the near future. I want to talk a little bit about tonight. Uh, uh, we have a, uh, you know, I know it's in competition with the Penn State, but, the, the you know, the, the, the Sammy Award, as I like to call it, it's a tribute to labor. Um, is done by the laborers every year, and every year the Friends of Labor program, the money they collect at that job, uh, that that program is given out that night to all charity organizations. So uh, who's being honored tonight is uh, Mayor Kenny and Corey Robinson, who's the president of Local 332. So uh, they may be able to sneak out and uh, while they're getting a, 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 a sarsaparilla, uh, take a peek at what's happening with Penn State. But uh, I want to talk for a few minutes about the schools in Philadelphia. Uh, I don't want to get into the schools as far as where we are, what we I want to talk about the buildings in Philadelphia. Uh, we know what's happening at Ben Franklin High. There's an asbestos problem. We know there's leads in the schools. I have to tell you that, you know, my background is I represented the insulators and asbestos workers for over 25 years. And when the program became obvious that there was asbestos that had to be taken out in the 80s, we were helpful with other folks to get one of the best asbestos laws in the, in the country here in Philadelphia. And it was adhered to by air management. It came under the Department of Labor. And what it speaks to is this. That number one, you have to be certified to do it. Number two, you have to have a license. Number three, you have to register that there's asbestos in the building. Number four, you have to see whether what size asbestos job it is, whether it has to be totally contained with the negative air and what like. And there's a responsibility to certify where the material was taken to, where it went, where it wound up. I hope some of these things have been done and what's been done in the past. And, and when, the, when the city, when the school district talks about how they've already taken some things, I have to tell you, I'm in, I'm in two groups right now. One is the coalition to get money from the state to be able to, to take care of these buildings with lead and asbestos and other contam- contam- uh, contaminants, and of course the whole state. When Senator Hughes went for this money, he didn't do it just for Philadelphia, he did it for the whole state. Because this is happening, whether people want to believe it or not, in any old school in the country, it's definitely happening in Pennsylvania. I personally am going around with the teachers and others to look at the schools with Jerry Roseman to try to give some advice. I'm not here to cause trouble. I'm here to see if we can help make sure our kids and our teachers don't get contaminated, don't have to breathe this stuff, make sure it's done, and make sure it's done right. So you're going to hear more about this. This isn't going to go away because it's bigger than folks realize. It's not just one school. Fortunately or unfortunately, it was, you know, it was, it was made obvious here because of the situation with the construction going on. But it's happening every day, and I'm going to, I'm going to work what I can with the school district, but also with the coalition to make sure we get this done. Joe, I don't think we only have a minute or so left. I, I just want to say that we lost two friends last week. Uh, one is uh, Edgar Branch, who a lot of folks may not know, but folks who come to our building here, Always saw Edgar. He was either taking down our trash, shining our tables, doing us a favor, getting pretzels for our delegates' meetings. Edgar was just a great guy, great young guy that tried to satisfy and help everybody. Uh, unfortunately, he died suddenly. I believe he was only 58, 59 years old. 
God bless Edgar. We, we're going to miss him. I miss him already. The little things that, you know, hey, Edgar, can you do this? Hey, always there, always there. And, and just it's hard to come to a building when somebody that uh, was so much a part of it's not there. I have to go back a little bit to a guy named Bernie Katz. Bernie Katz was, if not the finest, one of the best labor lawyers in the whole country. In Philadelphia, he never took a dime from anybody that wasn't paid rightfully. He never played any of those games. But he was the smartest uh, labor, representing working people and labor lawyer that I can say. He was a mentor to me. He represented my local for many, many years. He passed away. He did live to at least a decent older age than than Edgar. But I got to tell you, when you lose people like Bernie Katz, there's a big void in the labor movement because uh, they care – Lawyers like him cared about the working people as much as the representatives do. And uh, so God bless you, Bernie. God bless you, Edgar. Thanks for everything. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.